God bless you. Luke chapter number five. I'm not a hard preacher. I'm a sweet preacher. And I'm a loving man. Matter of fact, you know, you want to be called a Bible preacher, I guess, if you wanted a title. But these guys that'll just peel the hide off of you kids, pour the salt on a double dog dairy to say anything about it. They love you more than anybody. That's awful quiet right there. Okay. Luke chapter number five. So I guess we'll just have to put it to the test. All right. Let's stand in reverence to the reading of the word of the Lord. Just a simple thought this afternoon. Thank God for the preaching, the room, the hotel, the food, and everything to come. And I'm excited about the meeting that God had meet with us. Just a simple, practical thought from the word of God. Maybe God would help us in these days. Luke chapter number five, verse number one, when you find your place, say amen. Yeah. And I'm gonna do the amen and you're gonna have to do the preaching because if I gotta do both of them, I ain't going nowhere, it's all right? And the Bible said, and it came to pass, that is the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. What a problem to have right there. Bible said they pressed upon him to hear the word of God. When's the last time anybody ever put pressure on you just to preach? I mean, they wasn't asking for a miracle. They weren't asking for loaves of bread. They were putting pressure on Jesus to preach the word of God. And I like it when people pressure us to preach, don't you? Hey, Amen. The Bible goes on to say, and he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and uh, taught the people out of the ship. Now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop. Let's pray. Father, help me today. Lord, you know this simple little thing thought I got on my heart. I pray you'd use it to help somebody. I pray you'd breathe on them and anoint them and do them with the power of God. Lord, we need a breath of fresh air from a land that's fairer than day, Lord. Lord, we need your help. We need your touch. Dear God, we need your anointing. We need your power. And we'll bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated this afternoon. I want to preach out of that verse number one where the Bible said they pressed upon him. I don't know what you you'd want to title the message this afternoon. We could call it the problems with pressure or we could preach on overcoming pressure. Amen. Now this is a positive pressure in our text this afternoon. And what a blessing that would be that if everywhere we went, somebody was pressing us and preach the word of God. I tell you, this society we're living in today and this generation of what we call church. Amen. They're trying to get away from old-fashioned preaching of the word of God. Thank God you ain't gonna sing of me. You ain't gonna testify of me. It's preaching that'll get the word, that'll get the job done. And we need a generation that'll fall back in love with good old passion. Holy Ghost, God breathe, heaven sent, Bible preaching. Thank God, yes. 
This preaching will want to get the job done. Somebody say amen right there. Thank God, yes. But let's just study for a little while. Amen, that word press, boy, it, 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 it's, it's got a large definition to it. And by way of introduction, can I tell you about this definition? Amen, this is a positive pressure. And positive pressure can be a good thing. But sometimes people will put pressure on you and circumstances, and not just the preachers, but you wives, you mothers, you know what it is. How to be pressed by your children. How to give them what they need. And to feed them and just to take care of them. And the pastor's pressed by the congregation. Amen and on and on. You get pressed at work. And you get pressure on you. And if you don't deal with this pressure just right, then it's going to get the best of you. And you're going to get out of God's will. And you're not going to be able to be used of God. All of us have got some kind of pressure on us. That word press in the Greek, it means epic amahi, if you can, if that's pronouncing it right. Amen, it means to be imposed. Amen, it means to lay upon. It means to press. It means to be imposed on. Amen, I tell you, when that pressure comes, sometimes it'll come by way of rudeness. I don't know about you, but I don't like being rude to folk, and I don't like folk being rude to me. And the pressures of what God has got us in sometimes, we're gonna take it in a rude fashion, and it's gonna be rude to us. And I don't know about you, but it's hard for me not to shoot back when somebody's rude to me. It's hard for me not to say something back when somebody's rude to me. Thank God it's awful hard when a waitress is rude to you. To maybe mention up, you ain't got your tip yet, honey. I don't think I'd be acting like that. Thank God it's hard to deal with rude folks. I can't stand rude folks. I gotta get the message. But then, number two, the, the next part of that definition, it means to be placed on burning coals. Man, I tell you, you ever you you talk about just the daily responsibilities. We'll put pressure on you. Amen. Of a husband, of a wife, of a pastor, of an evangelist, of a missionary. Right? God, those daily responsibilities. Amen. Have you ever, amen, been put on burning coals? Do you ever spend your days? Seems like when you put one fire out, another one will pop up somewhere else. And when you put that one out, another one will pop up somewhere else. I know that we're independent Baptists and we're against drama teams, but every church represented here today, you got a drama team in your church. If you got teenagers, then you got a drama team and you're gonna be putting them fires out every day of life. You put them out every week. Thank God it'll get on in the pressure. It'll get on you. Number three, it's the pressure of a violent tempest. Thank God, yes. It's, uh, this, this pressure will come in way of rudeness. It'll come by way of responsibilities. But then it'll come by ways of those who don't respect you. A violent tempest has no respect for what's in his path. A tornado has no respect for what's in his path. Thank God, he don't respect the trees, the buildings. And this violent tempest is, is no respect for persons, no respect for homes. Don't matter whether you're rich, don't matter whether you're poor, don't matter whether you're good, whether you're bad, amen, that'll come in form of no respect. But then fourthly today, by way of introduction, amen, uh, that fourth part of that definition means to be a man. It means to be urgent. That's the part that likes to rush us. You like being rushed? I don't like it one bit. I can't stand it. 
Amen. I told my daddy one time, I said, Daddy, ain't you got no patience? My dear old daddy in his good old North Carolina way of saying it, he said, boy, I ain't a doctor. I don't need no patience. You mean you ain't done with it yet? You ain't back yet? He'd tell me to go get some wood. My brother, go get some firewood. We'd get up, put our shoes on. Wouldn't even get them tied up. And daddy's already out the door saying, boys, you want something done right? Might as well do it yourself. And they'd be going to the wood pile. I'm talking about eight men and they're going to rush you. And there's sometimes you're just going to have to take your time and put it up in park and don't let nobody rush you out of the will of God, rush you into making a decision that'll hurt you in the long run. Don't you let them rush you up. Now they're just simple seven, seven or eight simple things how to overcome this pressure that Jesus did that we must do in our day. Number one, the Bible says, amen, the Bible said in the latter part of verse one that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now I told you it's gonna be simple this afternoon. Number one, if you're not gonna let the pressure get the best of you, you're gonna have to stand. Right, God, I'm telling you, we got too many compromising, low down, dirty, rotten liberals in our day. We got too many men giving under the pressure. They got a rich deacon or a rich Sunday school teacher or somebody passed in the offering plate. Red governor going to cow down and give in. Neighbor, I'm telling you, you just better stand and stand by the word of God and stand on the truth of God's word. The Bible still says, and heaven not all to stand. It's still right to stand. It's still right. You don't want to be like a bunch of modernists and humanism and this bunch of liberal crowd. Want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and stand for God when nobody else will. Amen, boy, I love this. I love this text. There's a lot to be said. He stood, the Bible said, to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Genesaret. He stood on his message. He didn't change what he had to say. The Bible still said Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I'm amazed at how men changed their message. Praise God, boy, to be preaching the same thing 20 years from now that we're preaching tonight. Amen. I ain't talking about growing in grace and in knowledge. I'm talking about compromising on what this Bible says. Repent Penance is still in the Bible. Lordship is still in the Bible. Amen. Sovereignty is still in the Bible. Hell's still in the Bible. The second coming is still in the Bible. And we ought to preach what the saith, the word of God. Amen. Tell you what, I wasn't going to say nothing about it, but it's on me and I'm going to go ahead and say it. Some of these low down, dirty, rotten, hyper dispensationalists, hey man, go tell me you get saved one way in one dispensation and another way in another dispensation. Can I just go ahead and remind you, it don't matter what dispensation it is, if they're saved, they're saved by the blood of the crucified Lamb of God. And don't tell me that there's parts of my Bible that don't mean nothing. I'm going to tell you they ain't been a part of it. Amen. It blesses my soul. Helps my soul. Thank God, Miss Seal Grace. It's always been grace. It'll always be grace. Thank God, plus nothing, minus nothing. Don't you change the Bible. Great God, yes. You ain't working your way in. You ain't buying your way in. It's the grace of God. I don't care if it's Old Testament, New Testament, a tribulation, millennial. Thank God it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Woo! I was preaching for a crowd here a while back, about a year ago. What name a year ago? And there's some of them sitting there on pew, and they was wondering whether there's one of the elect or not. 
I'd never had run into that with a sinner. And they're sitting there saying, well, if I'm one of the elect, God will show it to me. Well, you know, Brother John, I couldn't handle too much of that. So I got up preaching one night and I said, look here. I said, you ain't saved by predestination. You ain't saved by election. You ain't saved by foreknowledge. Praise God, if you're saved, it's by the grace of God and the grace of God alone. Then when I get in that easy prayerism crowd, I look at them and say, hey, it's more than a prayer. Thank God it's Holy Ghost conviction. Amen. Thank God if the Lord ain't in it and God ain't in it then you're lost without God and you're gonna burn in hell oh but thank God for the man of God that didn't change the way he preaches that's right North Carolina that's right in Mississippi that's right in Ohio that's right in Indiana that's right in Georgia I preach it in in, in, in Philippines I preach it in Honduras and you're not changed I might get a little bit of liberty to preach here in a minute stay with your message stay with it stay with it word of God but then he's standing by the Lake Genesaret another definition that would intrigue us to stop and ponder the words of this definition. Genesaret. You know what it means? It means harp. Look up a definition. Great God. He's not only standing by his message, but he's standing by his music. Come on up in here with me real good. Do I need to preach against rock and roll and rap music and country music? I'd rather hear a fat baby burp as I would that rap and that country and that rock and roll. Rock and roll music is noise pollution and rock and roll is gonna die. Flush it down the toilet and watch it go. It's a devil's music. It ain't of God. Just give me some of good old fashioned Holy Ghost. God breathe heaven sent music. Now, I've got, I've got to not preach to the liberals for a minute. I've got to not preach to those that ain't here. Come up in here with me real good right quick. I'm gonna preach to us. You know what our problem is? We're going to preach against contemporary, singing all you want to. But I'm going to tell you, preaching against it and standing against it is two different things. Don't tell me you're old timey and you're letting that junk come up in your meetings. Come up in your church, come up in your choir, and hey, We'll invite people to come to our meetings, Brother Stroud, and there'll be somebody slip something in there. I ain't gonna make a big deal out of it. We just ain't gonna invite them back. Amen, and we're staying with that all time Amen. But here's my problem. I don't like a lot of these new songs that's coming down the line. Unless Brother Stacy Pierce wrote it, or Mark Wheeler. And I think they may have got in my notes and got some of my songs out and took credit for it. But I'm gonna be a Christian and let them slide, okay? You think I'd get used to that, but I just had to say a little something there. And 
But I'm telling you, what they want to do is they want to get these new songs. They don't magnify God. They don't exalt Christ. And they want to put that old time twang piano playing like some of our crowd does, Brother Simpson. Amen. And they want to put that old timey piano playing with them new timey songs. I tell you something about music. If it talks more about your storm than it does your Savior, then it ain't right. Somebody say amen right there. That's why I like about them old time songs. It's all about him. I like on Christ's Rock, I stand on all of the ground. It's sinking sand. I still like how firm the foundation. I still like amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved the rich like me. I like them old time songs. It's got the touch of God on it. And the anointing of God. I'd rather have that old time stuff. Can I get an amen right there? When's the last time, Brother Simpson, we heard somebody preach, or sing rather, that old song, Oh, What a Savior. How long's that one? How long, how long's it been? Our brother sang one I ain't heard in years this morning. I mean, we started out, it was, he's still on the throne. I'm saved to the uttermost. Amen, we're singing. Amen, it's different now. We're singing, he's the dearest friend I ever had. We're singing, press on, it won't be very long. We're singing them songs that was born out of adversity, that was born out of a broken heart, and they wouldn't magnify their self, and they wouldn't magnify their flesh. Amen, there is a spirit that's coming on this new stuff that is not a of God, that is not of God, and somebody ought to say something about it, I tell you a good godly song, it'll produce holiness, it'll produce worship, it'll produce joy, it'll produce grace, it'll magnify God. You gotta stay, he stood by his music, he stood by his message, but then he goes and gets in Peter's boat, you can study it out for yourself later, Gets in Peter's boat or is it James or John's one? He got on one of them boys' boats. You can argue about that later, all right? He got in somebody's boat that he never met him. This is the start of them disciples is what I'm trying to say. He stood by his men. Oh, dear God. Look up in here. What you gonna do, Apostle Paul? He's fixing to get his head cut off for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's fixing to see his Savior face to face again for the second time. Seen him on the road to Damascus when he saved him by the grace of God. God took him out of the hands of the devil, put him in the hands of God, made a good God-fearing Baptist preacher out of him, and here he is fixing to die. He said, all men forsook me. He said, notwithstanding, he said, the Lord stood by me. Thank God I'm glad that God in the midnight hour of your life. Amen. When everybody walks out, he's fixing to walk in. Great God, my lamb forever. He'll stand by his man. You just preach on, sir. He'll stand by you when nobody else will. He'll stand by you when nobody else wants to. Stay with God. He'll stand by his man. Am I telling you right, Brother Chris? He'll stand by his men. So I've watched some of you, I wouldn't call your name for nothing. I've seen some of you struggle. 
Some of you called me, talked to me, and I ain't looking at nobody. You said, Brother John, pray for me. Oh, now watch you struggle even while you was preaching. Boy, but it wasn't coming along. And you stayed with God. Oh, Lord, again, that north wind began to blow from heaven. God, God began to breathe on your soul again. You felt like giving up. You felt like throwing in the towel. You felt like not preaching again, not singing again. You felt like coming back home. But there's a fire burning in your bones. And you realize that you're doing what God told you to do. And you're what God wanted you to be. And you stayed with God. And God stood with you. Now, I, I got to run just a small rabbit. May I do that? It's Easter weekend coming up. I ain't going to preach against Easter egg hunting. Somebody else do that. I got, I got, it's resurrection weekend. How's that? Is that better? Oh, man. Me, great God. Stick it. Get over it, all right? I don't care if you hunt eggs or if you don't hunt eggs. But I do know this. Rabbits don't have eggs. Somebody say amen right there. <laughs> Whatever you're smoking, don't pass it this way. <laughs> That's right, ain't it? Now, just get, come on back with me. I was really trying to fix and get serious, but I done killed that. Resurrection weekend's coming up. I'm preaching on he'll stand by his men. He stood by these novices. He'll stand by you when you make novice mistakes. He'll, sta he'll stand by an older preacher when he makes novice mistakes. <laughs> Great God, we don't never quit making novice mistakes, do we? Will we ever grow up? No, not till we get there, all right? Amen, we're all just as immature as anybody else. Can I get a witness right there? Amen, he'll stand by you. But he died on the cross. And before he died, he told them men, he said, he said, behold, I'll, I'm going to paraphrase. He said, I'll go before thee into Galilee. Yes. After he died and he resurrected those messengers, those angels, you know what they said? He said, behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. Yeah, you're not getting that, are you? He goeth before thee. Uh, if he's going before me, I'm going after him. I'm walking in the path he already walked down. You getting what I'm saying? I said he's standing by his men. <laughs> that means every step I take, he's already been there. <laughs> Amen. It don't matter if you're following God. It don't matter which direction he's taking you. Honey, he's already been there for the glory of God. It matters. No matter what trial, what storm, what heartache, what dark night, what struggle, you got what opposition, you got man of God. He's already been there. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He's already been there. I've been with my best friends when they got news their children had cancer. I've been with my best friends when they got news their wives had cancer. I've been with my best friends at God, Brother Stroud, when the, when the mama, amen, couldn't function hardly anymore. It's God, I've been there. But I'll tell you something before I ever got there with you and you ever got there with me, there's a sovereign God in heaven. He had already been there. He knew how it felt. He knew your pain. He knew your heart. He's already been there. Aren't you glad he'll stand by his men? He ain't gonna leave his people. He ain't gonna forsake you. He ain't gonna turn his back on you. He's a God that loves you more than you'll ever know. 
great God. Amen. You're going to have to stand. Preacher, stand by your men. It's a two-sided coin. We expect our people to stand with us. Well, they got the same right to expect we stand with them. Is that right? Is that, if it ain't, am I still in the book, preacher? You ought to stand. Hurriedly and I'm done. That was just point number one. <laughs> yes. Preaching a series all in one service. He stood, stand. Don't bow down. Number two, hurriedly he saw. Verse number two. The Bible said and he saw two ships. You're going to have to step back and take a look at every resource you got possible to be used to the Lord. But then, thirdly, he entered into the ship. God got into one of them men's ship. A ship of being a good picture of the church. That water wasn't stable. He wasn't going to give them a miracle. He wasn't going to raise nobody from the dead. They wanted to hear the word of God. That's what he's going to give them. He obliged them to teach them the word of God. So, I mean, he could have on his very own walked out on water. Wouldn't that have been something? I can't walk on water unless I'm fishing. And there's a great big old snake come swimming across the river. Boogity, boogity, I'm gone. You get the stranger in the fishing poles and I'll be sitting in the truck. And I still can't walk on water then. Jesus could have done that, but he didn't. He was teaching us the importance of a practical Christian life. I can't walk on water, you can't walk on water. So what he does, he goes and gets in something that can. He goes and gets in something that can float on water. Hey, man, there's no stability in water, but you can have some stability in that boat. I'm glad, thank God, the church has got stability to it. Aren't you glad for a church house on the side of the road over here in North Georgia? Brother John, where they can come and there's some stability. Hey, man, this is a place of stability, a place of reliability, a place of accountability, a place of responsibility. Thank God he is in the ship. He is in the church business. Number four, he separated himself. He did not isolate himself. Verse number three, Bible said he entered one of the ships. He pulled away from the crowd. Not isolated, separated. He got far enough away from them to where he could help them. He got to a healthy distance. And we all know that if you've been in the ministry or you're, you're a mother, you know what more than us preachers do. What it is, your children, mama, mama, mama. And you got three kids, you got three mouths, mama. Then you got mama saying, daddy, daddy, daddy. <laughs> daddy said, I'm going fishing. I'll see you next time. Praise <laughs> God. I feel impressed to God to go pray. <laughs> Don't you use that super spiritual stuff on me. I know you ain't right. Get in here and help me with these kids. Can I get a witness right there? I went to the Valley Hill elementary school and then we went over to Atkinson then our little old elementary school went to middle school and all them schools from that district got into the same middle school and it was a culture shock when I showed up to middle school. I had never seen nothing like it before in my life. I had never seen people like it been around that environment, that atmosphere, it shocked me. I decided I'd take shop, it sounded good. I walked in there, we had three teachers, old Bubba Brown and Coach Smith and Mr. Haynes was his name. Mr. Haynes introduced himself by showing us his hands 
that had about three fingers off each hand cut off. And it cut every one of them off on a table saw or a skill saw. And he held his hands up. And he said, look here, boys. If you'll do as I say, you can keep your fingers. But if you do as I do, you can be as I be. I didn't have to write that one down. It got burned up in there. <laughs> I didn't take no, no. I passed out tough. Thank God, 43 years by the grace of God, still got them all. We was in masonry class one day, and I was laying some brick, and he said, Morgan, you need to stand back. He said, that's crooked. I said, I got my line up here. It can't be crooked. He said, it's crooked. I said, all right, and I stood back. I said, you know what? You're right. He said, a good mason, a good worker, any kind of worker, he said, every once in a while, he's got to stop, stand back, and take a look at what he's doing and see if he's doing right. Every once in a while, pastor, evangelist, missionary, mama, daddy, husband, wife, every once in a while, amen, you got to stand back and take a look at your motive and take a look at your direction and make sure you're doing the right job. Then, then fitly, verse number three, the Bible said he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon, and prayed to him that he would thrust out and set separation just a little from the land. And the Bible said he sat down. What about that? Sat down. I don't have time to labor. My time's up. You got to learn how to rest. You have got to learn. I had the privilege of driving our good friend, Brother Sammy Allen. He wore me out for about two months and one weekend, no sleep at all. Oh, John the Baptist, if I can do it, you can too. <laughs> I said, I don't know about that. You're full of God and I'm not. <laughs> Ain't no use lying about it, all right? <laughs> I was, praying, I was praying one morning, God had filled him with the Holy Ghost, and then it dawned on me. I was praying for something that already took place. And, but he, and he, he, in long story short, we're coming in from through Atlanta, Georgia, and he's got this big old fold-up pocket knife. It was that long, closed, and when he opened it up, it was that long. He said, I told you not to eat supper. You'd be sleeping at night driving through Atlanta. Started poking me with that knife. I woke it up, okay? <laughs> but Sunday afternoon, he told me, he said, I want you to preach tonight. I said, he said, but you're tired. I said, yes. Ain't slept in a month. <laughs> he said, don't go pray, don't go study. He said, you lay down here right beside me on this other couch across from me. He said, son, I'm gonna teach you a lesson this afternoon. One of the most spiritualist things you'll ever do is go to sleep every once in a while. You get what I'm saying? I'm talking about you've got to learn how to rest. You need to know when to go on a vacation. You need, you, you need to know when to have a little fun. I ain't got time to preach all this. Verse number six, he spoke. He didn't let the pressure give him a bad spirit. Anybody besides me ever get a bad spirit? <laughs> get up, I'm going to rip somebody up. I'm going to tear it. It's going to be on. Preacher Morgan's here. He's in a bad attitude. Don't look at me like that. That ain't a halo over your head. That's where your horns grow together. 
You get bad spirits too. I don't know how long I've been preaching. How much I'm, I need to quit. It's supper. What time supper? Five, oh, five o'clock. All right. <laughs> uh, preach, he said preach on, okay? Amen. I got 30 more. I've just closed. He spoke. Well, I'm simply saying he spoke. You can see by the way he talked to that congregation. That is that, and Christ couldn't never have had a bad attitude anyways, but the example. You remember Acts 16 when the apostle Paul got put in jail and got beat with stripes, him and Silas? You remember why he got put in jail? Bob said he took the spirit of divination out of that, out of that damsel. Out of that. You know what's about Paul being grieved with her? The only reason he done it is because he's grieved. And brethren, when we do things because we're grieved, you better watch out. There's a price to be paid for it. Is that Bible preaching? Is it, am I? Now, how many times we've had to pay a price of getting beaten, getting whipped because we just simply done it because we is grieved. Well, I hope I'm helping him. Number seven, he supplied the need. Number eight, he supplicated. Nothing like it. Verse 16, the Bible said, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. He supplicated. He called on God. Brother, I, I don't know of anything. I, I don't know of anything. I mean, I've, I've tried to give you these little practical. I don't know of anything that will help us overcome the daily pressures of life like a good old-fashioned talk with Jesus. Have you got anything better? You getting something grieve you, something bothering you, something hurting you, something putting pressure on you? You get out there and you tell the Lord, say, the psalmist said, I poured out my complaint before the Lord. The greatest complaint department ever invented. God invented it when he taught us to pray. Boy, and I'll tell you something. Uh, I, I believe the most spiritual, if I could put it this way, commodity we have, the most spiritual resource we have is to be able to get on our knees and talk right directly to God. We're standing all over the building. I'm done. Thank you, Pastor.